Wiminjika, Gabamala Mangil, Balambun Yalanbu, Walanjeri Balak, Nirana Malanbik, Bill Nicholson. Welcome and greetings. Good day from the Wurundjeri people. My name is Uncle Bill Nicholson. Hi there. This is the Collingwood Children's Farm podcast. It's a special three-part podcast series celebrating the shared histories of the land upon which the farm stands. In this first episode, we'll hear from a Wurundjeri elder, Uncle Bill Nicholson, and Ewan and Bunurong Tasmanian man, Bruce Pascoe. Uncle Bill Nicholson offers a contemporary take on the traditional tandaram, or Welcome to Country, delivered and designed for our ears. So listen close. I'm a, one of 30-odd elders of the Wurundjeri people, the traditional custodial people of the Birrarung or the Yarra River. I'd like to acknowledge my elders' past for a couple of special reasons. First of all, for a culture, the culture of this land, for an identity, and very personally for my survival. A couple of elders I'll name to make them real to people. Um, Simon Wonga, our first land rights advocate. Simon was in charge of his people when there was only 17 of his countrymen left. He set up Corrindirk, our safe haven. Uh, His predecessor, William Barak, our first human rights advocate. Arnie Winnie, my grandmother's sister, who had the vision to set up an organisation in the modern era, in the 1980s, that would protect and manage cultural heritage and and bring culture and language back to life. Only Winnie, one of the great founding strengths of the modern Wurundjeri community. And my father, who um, recently has joined my ancestors, who opened up the door for my family to connect to who we actually were and get out there, like he used to say to me, get out there and teach the city the story it means to hear. So I'd also like to acknowledge our cultural leaders of today. If there's a little Wurundjeri kid in kinder, telling their little friends about Bunjil, they're a cultural leader. Everyone up to the oldest cultural leader I'd like to acknowledge. Very important people keep culture strong in today's society. Now we are the people of the Bidurang. Actually, Barak calls it the Bahrain. And I think it was more that pronunciation because the suburb of Paran or Paran comes from Bahrain, which comes from Bidurang. Um, the river of mists, the sacred river of the land, our symbol of our physical and spiritual connection to this country. The Wurundjeri Wilam are the sole surviving sovereign family group of the Woiwurrung speaking people. So unfortunately many of our western family groups um, around the Maribyrnong catchment as we know it today are no longer with us but I'd like to acknowledge each and every one of them who cared for this land just like Wurundjeri did. Wurundjeri were just very fortunate to get through the impacts of colonisation. In our stories Bunjil our creator represented by the great bird, the wedge-tailed eagle. He gave us the lands to care for, life to enjoy and the laws to live by. He created a culture that was very efficient, um, two to six hours a day to sustain your family depending on the seasons. A very structured society under law, a very fit and healthy society um, where games of Marnbrook were played, very similar to, I believe, the inspiration to the AFL game today. A very responsible society where Every single person had a responsibility to country and to one another. And that's a a message I'd like to give in this welcome, actually, is that everyone that lives or visits or works on this land, to take on personal responsibility of at least understanding what it needs to be strong and healthy country, because it resonates to strong and healthy people. 
Do your best to care for country and do your best to look after one another. It, it has been a key aspect of law on this land that we have never ceded to any British law. Now the colonial times um, were not the easiest, and that's putting it mildly. But let's learn from past mistakes. Let's treat each other as equals. You know, um, if Australia wants to call itself a mature, civilised society, it's got many lessons it can learn from. Let's see if it can. I hope it can. I have confidence that it can. But the, the frustrations still resonate very much with the Wurundjeri people. And you could probably say just about every Aboriginal person in this country from the impacts of colonisation. You know, with the aspects of language, law, ceremony, country and family, the framework of Aboriginal culture being attacked by the British colony. Some of them are still in recovery mode, such as language, trying to bring language back. Some people are still trying to find their families. Some people still don't know where they're from. Some people don't know what their ceremonies are or their laws are. So the effects are still there. Um, we must understand this and, and try and help our people best we can to feel proud about who they are if they're an Aboriginal person. I believe to create true reconciliation in Australia, education's a real key. And the fact that if we can build pride within non-Indigenous people uh, about the culture of the land as we have pride for, I really believe we can create um, something we have in language, Jindi Warabak, it means coming together or unity, join and unite, or reconciliation. Uh, could probably be another word for that. I really believe that's the proper way of doing it, through education and respect of one another. The other question is, um, who's reconciling with who? So the ceremony itself, the offering of vegetation symbolise your resource access. I call them sacred because I want people to understand our water, our plant and our animals as sacred because they are. Um, the snapping of the spear tips, a bit of oral history I've come across concerning um, safety. So no spear would be raised against you. The sipping of water out of a tarmac and the offering it to the visitor is a trust and respect and safety symbol as well. Asking people to walk through the smoke of burning leaves is a symbol of cleansing of what we call murup. Murup's your spirit. Wurundjeri culture believes that when your physical body comes to an end that you revert into a, into a spiritual form. So you continue to exist. Um, we believe in good and bad. Spiritual energies, forms, influences, whatever modern words you like to connect with that. So we do smoking ceremonies to cleanse the area and the individual of any bad morp, any bad spirit. The ceremonies themselves would have been quite a joyful occasion where you can imagine if you were disconnected from family and friends for, for a number of months and then having the ability to connect, you'd be pretty happy about that. That feeling you would have would be very similar to the feelings of these ceremonies. And the purpose of ceremonies like this, all you've got to do is really just look into your own human nature and why you interact with other people. It could be family, it could be spiritual or faith-based obligations, it could be community-based obligations, it could be business or work-based or trade or whatever it may be. Similar reasons why the old people met. So we're under law because it's a law ceremony, you had to do it. Same as um, Australian law today, LAW, LORE is Wurundjeri law, LAW Australian law, where Australian law says if you want to access another land, you need a passport, while LORE says you want to access Wurundjeri land, you need a ceremony. So, uh, and it's just like anything, uh, you know, I don't think anyone would welcome people into their home if they disrespected their home and their family. We ask the same, to feel truly welcome to the land, we, we ask for respect of people, country and culture as a mandatory part of feeling welcome. So in language we say, if people have those respects, we say, 
Uh, welcome, Wurundjeri country. Uncle Bill also reflects on early diary entries written by some of the colonists from the 18th century. When they came up, um, Nunam Nunam Jilong Karayo, um, Port Phillip Bay, some of the, you know, the, the statements like um, gentlemen's estates, English parklands, wide open spaces, you know, like a park today, there's normally a team of people managing that park. Well, our, our whole landscape had a, a team of people managing the landscape, creating biodiversities, creating habitats, and I'll go as far to say creating, not in the concept of a European farm, because there wasn't a windmill and a tractor and a, and a fence, but there was um, farms all over the place uh, where our resources were very much encouraged to, to grow in large numbers so we could sustain our people, um, all aspects of the, of the year. And the way the Wurundjeri and surrounding Kulin nations sustained themselves was something English colonial culture was blind to or chose not to see. My name's Bruce Pascoe, I'm a Ewan Wollongong Tasmanian man. I live on Ewan country um, on the Wallagra River. It's a really interesting question to talk about farming because I use the words farming and agriculture in a political sense simply because uh, white Australia has never credited our people with having a horticultural interaction with the land or any, um, any preservation of food, housing, clothing or irrigation or any of those things. So I use the terms politically uh, to a certain extent. I think that what our people were doing could be described as an agriculture or as farming, but I think we need to talk about more importantly, how humans interact with the land to produce food. Not just to collect food, but to produce food. In Western terms, it's called agricultural farming or horticulture, but they're all words invented by Europeans to describe themselves. Um, but at the same time as Europeans were exploring farming ideas, Aboriginal people had been doing so for at least 50 or 60,000 years, um, possibly as long ago as 100,000 years. And we were interacting with the landscape to select plants, plant species that we favoured, harvest those plants, re-sow the next season, eat the food, preserve the food, process the food. All of those could be described as agricultural activities but it doesn't describe Western agriculture because Western agriculture is based on capitalism, private ownership. So that means fences, private owned land with boundaries, whereas Aboriginal people were farming in common. Yeah, I call it in dark image jigsaw mutualism, where everybody had their zone, but the zones were farmed mutually. You know, I still think that's the best description I can come up with where um, people were looking after their own estates but joining forces with other clans to grow a crop sometimes, uh, many times, as explorers explained, that stretched to the horizon in both directions. So what does Bruce Pascoe think about the farm's claim to be the longest continuously operating farm in Victoria? Oh, well, I, I think um, uh, it's pretty obvious that it's on the land of the longest continuing agricultural development in the world but 
I think if you make that claim, then the farm has an obligation to have a serious relationship with the Aboriginal community. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm just saying that the two to go together. How exciting to be on land that has been continuously farmed for so long. And Uncle Bill Nicholson, with many others, are working with the Victorian government to formally recognise Aboriginal culture and community in state law, LAW, by negotiating an official treaty. It's a really exciting time but a really nervous time in the fact that I'm nervous about the treaty process and whether it's going to work. I'm excited because it's actually been discussed. I really believe it's a chance for Aboriginal Victorians to um, create a brighter future for their people in, ne in negotiating with the imposed system from England and turning around a lot of the unfortunate social issues that Aboriginal communities are plagued with still to this day. And if we get it right, it can open the doors up for the rest of the country. And who knows, Australia might get finally a positive international reputation concerning its treatment of its Indigenous people, because I know for a fact that it doesn't. And that's it for episode one on the Collingwood Children's Farm podcast. If you'd like to learn more about local Aboriginal culture, head to the Wurundjeri Council website and book yourself and your mates into a cultural walk. The full Bruce Pascoe interview can be found at the Farms website, along with many others involved in this oral histories project. A big thanks to all who've given time to this project. We hope you learnt something new and enjoyed it. See you in episode two, where we head to the Abbotsford Convent and find out how the farm was managed when Europeans arrived and occupied the Abbotsford Peninsula. I'm Margot Foster. This podcast was part of a bigger project made possible by the Public Records Office of Victoria. It's produced by Patrick Beggs of Per Production in partnership with the Collingwood Children's Farm. It was produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise that sovereignty was never ceded.